my name is Laura Purdy, and I make cookies. Welcome to I Made This from Do Anything Media, a show about passionate people executing their big ideas in realistic ways you can learn from to make your own big idea a reality. I'm Bill Meeks, and today I'm talking with Laura Purdy, who runs the Hay Sweetness Bakery in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. She makes cookies for a living, beautiful cookies packed with detail and design. Now, she's been making sweet treats professionally for most of 2019, so we're going to be talking a lot about taking that step, as well as the care and craft that goes into making cookies. And if you don't want to bake cookies, no worries, you can still listen. Laura offered up a ton of great advice for creative people of any discipline, especially if you want to start a business based around your passion. Okay, I made this for you. Take a listen. Okay, so it goes completely against my diet, but we're going to talk about cookies today, right, Laura? (laughs) Yes, we're going to talk about cookies. (laughs) Why don't you go ahead and just give people a little bit of an idea of uh, what your business is, where you are, all that kind of stuff. So, okay, currently I am actually located in Tennessee, um, but that's going to change in about three weeks. I'm moving to Melbourne, Florida. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, Melbourne is where I was born and raised. And so it's just kind of, I've actually been in Tennessee for just over a year, but I miss, I really miss Florida. So, hey, Sweetness Bakery, we'll be moving to Florida. (laughs) Uh, Be very careful. There are a lot of anti-cookie laws that have been passed since you've been here. So, you know, just be aware of those. Oh, It's all from Disney. You know, they control the state, basically. You know, what's crazy is like having to learn about laws when you open a business like that. Like, Mm -hmm. I know you're like kidding, but Disney and like here in Tennessee, it's actually the the Tennessee state, the college. Uh They have like copyrights on really crazy things that you can't put on your cookie. Like, I'm not allowed. So currently in Tennessee, there's a copyright on like the white and orange checkerboard pattern, Hmm. like literally a pattern. It's like, if you use these two colors in this pattern, it's copyrighted and they will sue you. <laughs> is, is that just for cookies or is that for like, no, I don't know. it's like... just anything. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's so weird. Anyway, but yeah, Disney characters is going to be a big one that I'm like, oh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I've heard about them cracking down on people around here. You know, like a school, yeah. have someone dress up as Elsa for an event and then this, mm-hmm. Disney will show up with the lawyers, you know. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Anyway, okay, so I moved to Tennessee a little over a year ago. And believe it or not, when I came to Tennessee, I was not a baker at all. Like I had never baked a cookie from scratch. (laughs) (laughs) I had never done any of that. When I was really young, starting from the time that I was like a toddler, every year my mom does uh, a Christmas cookie decorating party. Mm -hmm. But she would bake this like really delicious homemade icing. And we would like, you know, buy the store-bought cookie dough and we would invite our friends over and like, you know, when you're younger, it's like how much frosting and M&Ms can you fit onto a cookie? Oh, yeah. How much <laughs> diabetes can I get on this cookie? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, when we were younger, there was like no creativity to it. <laughs> it was just all sugar. But as you get, as we got older, you know, it was still tradition. And so we were doing it. And, and you know, my mom would teach me little techniques here and there because she decorated cakes. And so she had some like, kind of just some, you know, techniques and she would teach us, but I really was never like, it was never something I thought to do professionally. It was never something I really even knew that I was that good at. Like (laughs) I didn't. uh, And then I moved to Tennessee and coming to Tennessee, um, I had some time on my hands. I had really realized that I had gone a really good chunk of time in my life. I had probably gone several years 
without being creative. Mm-hmm. And so coming to Tennessee, that was one of my goals was to find a way to be creative. I don't even really know why. I think my mom, it happened to be around Christmas time and my mom was like, let's bake some cookies. And so that sort of started a process. And I was like, this is fun. I'm going to start creating some cookies. And then I realized I was good at it. <laughs> why don't we uh, pause there for a second and just talk about it? Like, like, yeah. How, how did you come to that realization that you were better than you thought you were? Basically by doing it and then realizing like that I could. So, so a lot of times, you, you, you know, when you start off like anything, you kind of mimic what you're seeing. And so I would go on Pinterest and I would search for like a cute cookie design or I would see one that I liked and I'd be like, okay, let me try this. Mm-hmm. And I would try it and execute it really well. <laughs> and I would just go like, oh, wow, that was really easy. And then, you know, of course it helps when there's people around you going like, I cannot do that. Or like, you know, my mom who, you know, is wonderful and encouraging. She would, she would try the same thing and kind of <laughs> not be as good at it. You know? <laughs> and she would be a category for like one of those Instagram, which are like baking <laughs> fails or so. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. She nailed it. <laughs> and so kind of realizing that like, oh, mine were actually you know, mine were actually pretty and they were, you know, and I was satisfied with them, which is a big mm-hmm. deal because like, you know, we are our own worst critic. Absolutely. And so there were moments where like, I would look at my cookie and go, oh, I really like that. And I think it really matches what my vision was. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal for me because, you know, that satisfaction of you created something and your vision came to life and it's what you wanted. And like, that's a big deal, I think, for <laughs> for people, for anybody. Oh, but, yeah. That's my favorite part of the creative process is having done something like yeah. when you're in there in, in the trenches working on something, it can be a big pain. It can be very stressful. But that moment you're like, OK, it's done and it's good and I'm happy with it. Yeah, that's just the most fulfilling feeling in the world. Yeah, I totally agree. And so I, you know, I started feeling that a lot when I was making cookies and And then I, you know, it would take some pictures and send it to friends and stuff. And they were just like, oh my gosh, you have to, you have to sell these. Like, you know, like I would pay for those. Like, um, (laughs) and, uh, and so then my little business was born. (laughs) So, uh, you sent some pictures over of the cookies and everything. If you look at the, uh, album art for this episode, uh, there'll be some pictures in there too. Uh, they're beautiful cookies. Um, and, and, uh, I was wondering, you know, it's, a lot of design uh, goes into them. So did you have a background in design at all? or uh, No, not no. at all. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you know, I took some art classes in high school and I've always been sort of a here and there painter or drawler, but I've, I don't really have any, you know, no formal training or background or anything like that. So you're a savant. Yeah. <laughs> a cookie savant. <laughs> cookie savant. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. <laughs> all right. So, uh, once you decided that you wanted to make this a business, hey, what, what what were your first steps? Like, what were the first things you did to start that process? So the first thing I did was ask myself the question, do I want this to be a business? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think I learned that that's a really important question because I was a photographer for years. Um, I had a wedding photography business. And basically what happened is when I start, I, I had a passion for it. And then when it transitioned into a business, Mm -hmm. the passion sort of lessened, it waned, you know, like it was one of those things where it's like, when you do something for the love of something, there's a fire there Mm -hmm. when you're doing something because you have to pay the bills and you (laughs) need to like eat and pay rent. Yeah. um, It becomes a lot more stressful and the, the dynamic changes. For most people, spreadsheets completely rob you of any creative passion. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And so 
that I had already experienced. I knew that that was a very real possibility for, for a lot of creative things that we do for anything, you know, hobbies and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so the first step was going, I really love doing this. I'm enjoying it. I'm good at it. Is turning this into a business going to take away some of that passion and joy for me, like kind of exploring that and um, being honest with myself about it. And I kind of decided that really, I didn't quite know. I didn't quite have an answer. And so I was just gonna, you know, I was going to take it one step at a time. And, and then, you know, learning lessons from the past two, I decided if there was something, if there was an aspect of the business that I really wasn't good at or didn't like, mm-hmm. i.e. spreadsheets, that <laughs> 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 um, I would like outsource that or I would ask for help with that. You could put together your spreadsheets on a cookie. On a cookie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that way you're serving both masters. <laughs> That's amazing. And I might have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> that That's interesting, though, that, you know, you had had sort of this experience with the photography business and it left you kind of wanting. And, and then several years later, you, you circle back around to do another business. I'm kind of in the same position right now because uh, I, I ran for five or six years. I ran a freelancing business where I did mostly video production for companies, you know, explainer videos, that sort of thing. Okay. And it just completely sucked the life out of me because it, it was all so dull and nobody wanted me to be creative and do cool, funny things. And so I eventually, I went to corporate America for a few years. <laughs> and then, you know, a few, after I think seven years of being there, I was like, wait a second, maybe I should go back now that I have all this corporate experience and I'm a bit more sure of myself and what I want out of life and go back and try and approach the business again. And I found it so far, I mean, I'm only about a month in, uh, but I found it to be very uh, rewarding and uh, everything I wanted it to be. So how, how did you find it when you you circled back around and made it a business? Yeah, um, that's so cool. I love that you're in that position too right now. I found it the same way. I found it really rewarding. I found it really exciting. I think that creativity in general just ignites something in people, you know, like we just, I I think we're we're wired for it and we need it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, just the idea of like, I was creating something and even, you know, like, yes, on a, on a small scale, I create cookies, but even the idea of like, okay, I'm creating a business, like I'm creating a bakery, like, and having a vision for what that looks like down the road. And Mm-hmm. it was exciting and fresh and I felt rejuvenated by it. And it's just one of those things where you're like, Oh, this gives me life again. And I, you know, I maybe forgot what that felt like while I was working the nine to five or the, you know, whatever corporate America or whatever draining job <laughs> you're doing. Yeah. And I'm sure it probably gives you an opportunity to sort of, you know, define your own life too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say it's all easy. I am. Um, I actually was thinking this morning, just kind of about this interview. And I was like, man, you know, it's funny because when we talk about the creative process, oftentimes people just talk about like the joy and the like, whatever, but mm-hmm. part of the creative process is like, there's pain in it and there's frustration in it. And so there have been moments where it's like, you know, I do hate spreadsheets. Thankfully, I'm blessed with a mom who loves them and is very good <laughs> at them. And so I just call or text my mom and I'm like, I need help. But, you know, there have been moments even in the, even in the cookie making process where it's like, there's a total fail or you disappoint a client or even just the process, right? Like I hate coloring frosting. It's like (laughs) the worst part of it for me. And I, every time I sit down to do it, I'm like, I cannot wait for the day that I can pay somebody to do this for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Like I just, but 
but to get to that place, to build my vision, to build what I want, um, you have to do the work. Like you have to do the stuff that you don't like. Sometimes you have to do the stuff that's frustrating. And that is also part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes it all the more rewarding when you do come to the end of it, right? Like when you do see it all come together and you're like, Oh gosh, that like breakdown I had where I was like, you know, not sure it was going to work out. It's totally worth it now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, what you're talking about, I generally refer to, and I apologize, I, I didn't uh, language check you before we started recording. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I call that shoveling the shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's the stuff you have to do to get to the stuff you want. To, yeah, exactly. You know? It's just such an important part of the process, in my opinion. Like, I think we hate it, and if you have to do it, and everybody just like put your head down and get through it, but. It, I think what would happen is if we remove that part of the process, right? Like if nobody ever had to shovel the shit mm-hmm. to get to their dream, it would suck. Yeah. I don't think it would be as satisfying. I don't think it would be as worth it. I don't think that creating would be the life giving thing that it is because that's part of the process is like, we all have to shovel the shit and whatever that looks like for you, whatever industry you're in or whatever you're creating I just think, I don't know. I just think we cannot get rid of that portion of it. You know, what, what's the quote, anything worth doing or it, Oh no, I'm trying to remember the quote. I'm completely messing it up right yeah, now. No, I know what you're talking about. It's like anything worth anything doing worth, is hard or yeah. Yeah. Something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, <laughs> I, but, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where that pain and that frustration and that those things you have to work through to get to something is where you derive most of the satisfaction. Yeah. That's where most of the satisfaction comes from because it's a stress release. Yeah. Once you finally get to that end point and you have that product and you're happy with it, it's just a massive stress relief. It's a yeah. dopamine rush straight to your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about shoveling the shit more. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you decided to build this business. Mm-hmm. So how did you first start going around trying to get clients and things like that for a business like this? Mostly it was word of mouth at the beginning. Um, I, mm-hmm. uh, social, a little bit of social media, you know, I had like an Instagram and a Facebook and, you know, you hashtag like local hashtags. And, mm-hmm. But then a lot of it was word of mouth. Things like um, friends that I had, whether at church or um, I had made some friends at a local coffee shop and just kind of telling them like, this is what I'm doing. And if you need any cookies, let me know. Uh, and at first, you know, it's like you start out just kind of doing it for friends and family, but it picked up, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was encouraging to me because I was like, oh, I'm not just doing this for friends and family anymore. I'm like doing this. I, I think the first time I remember, <laughs> I remember actually calling a friend of mine in Florida the first time I dropped off, like I made a drop off to a, cl- a client that I didn't know. Uh-huh. So it was like I had given this complete stranger a platter of cookies that I had decorated and she loved them. And she was like, oh my gosh, they're amazing. They're perfect for this party. And I called my friend and I just cried. And I was like, she loved them. <laughs> and like, I can't believe a total stranger just purchased my cookies. Like, you know, and it seems like such a silly thing to other people, but it's like, no, this thing that you created, like that I really loved and worked really hard on. And I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this thing that I love doing. Mm-hmm. And just all of that kind of rushed in at once. Yeah. And that outside validation is so important because I mean, obviously, you know, your mom's going to tell you your cookies are awesome. (laughs) Your, your boyfriend or your best friend or anyone is going to tell you your cookies are awesome. But when you hear it from somebody who has no social obligation to you whatsoever, in fact, someone who's paying you uh, and is expecting a good product compliments the product. You're like, oh, perfect. Because 
because they yes. they didn't have to say that. No, no, they did not. And yeah, exactly that. It's like you suddenly go like, I thought I believed everyone else in my life, but now <laughs> I know they were telling me the truth <laughs> because this total stranger who doesn't have to tell me. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of attracting uh, total strangers as clients, uh, specifically over social media, did you find that particularly useful or did uh, you get clients specifically from that? And what tips do you have for someone who's trying to you know, build a business using social media, because specifically what you said about the hashtag stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm currently building a business right now and I want to try and get into that more, but it feels so spammy to me uh, that I, I'm very like uh, the, my punk rock heart is very like resistant <laughs> to the idea. So I, 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 I need you to explain this to me and tell me why it's not completely selling out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a tall order. I feel like to Well, I mean, the whole purpose of this podcast is to have other people validate me. So go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, first of all, I get it. I get that it feels spammy. To be honest, when I it's not something I ever did when I lived in Florida before. Mm -hmm. And part of that is so I moved to this community, this area right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And I don't know if it's the, the area or the community, but like there's this investment in the community that was new to me, I think, like an appreciation for the community. Mm-hmm. So up here, the area code is 865. So there was this hashtag that was trending all the time and in my area at least. And um, and this person, you know, this person actually created a business from it and it was like hashtag 865 life. And so it was like life in this area code and here's what it's like. And people all over would use this hashtag, like just going to like the mar- the you know market square in Knoxville or going to you know a little like uh farmers market or like events all throughout Knoxville or the greater area would use this hashtag and and this person created like a business and they have like hoodies and stickers and all this stuff and you know at first i think i probably would have thought it was spammy but i happened to stop and talk to this person at a booth like they had this like booth set up mm-hmm. and i was like talking to this person and it was so genuine and you could just tell this guy had such a passion for his community, his area. It was like, this is his home. These are his roots. You know, yeah. like he loves it here. He loves to see other people love it here. He loves when businesses flourish here. Like, I mean, everything was just genuine about his desire to see the community grow and do well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that kind of kickstarted it for me where I was like, oh, there's a community here that champions each other, like businesses doing well, entrepreneurs starting something like there's a desire to see dreams and vision come to fruition, because we realize it's good for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so my goal and you know, like I do, I don't, um, I don't think it's new necessarily in Melbourne. I think I just wasn't looking for it in Melbourne, Florida when I was there before. Yeah. So my goal when I moved back to Melbourne is to find those people, Mm -hmm. to find that community, to find the ones who are championing that um, vision, that drive for community, for connection. And I think to me, that's why it's not selling out is it does have to be genuine. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is people know, like people can tell if you're just out to make money, like if you're just out to like, I want my business to thrive. And I'm going to like, you know, if you're, if you're the type of person who's willing to step on other people to get to where you're going, like people Mm -hmm. are going to know, they're going to be able to tell. And eventually it's not going to work out for you, (laughs) you know, like, and maybe that's naive and maybe that's like me being like idealistic. I know that I can be, but I really truly think that like 
when you are genuine, people will con- like, you'll find those people that you connect to. And so that I think is where I would say it's not selling out. It's like, if you're genuine, do the hashtags for your community, go to, you know, I used to hate networking meetings and like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm going to attend all of them. There are com- little communities or little pockets in places where people are like getting together for the goal of connecting. And maybe that, you know, is also called networking. And if you <laughs> want to call it networking, but it feels genuine, like I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I, I think too, uh, you don't necessarily have to go to something that's like, oh, local business networking meeting. You can sign right. up for like a cooking class and yes. end up meeting somebody who's right in your, you know, field of expertise and connecting with them. And then all of a sudden yeah. you have this really good friend and partner who y- you can help each other out and grow together. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's such a good point too. Cause yeah, it's not necessarily that the, the signs that are like, yeah, come, come show us your business or like bring your business cards and meet three other people. It's like, no, it's in the authentic, like you said, a cooking class or like, um, there is like a local business center where they have classes for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they're basically like, if you have a vision or something you want to do, we want to help you. So come and like, we don't know what you need, but if you tell us your need, there's a room full of people who might be able to meet that need. And it's this idea of like, yeah, like it doesn't have to look like a stiff, sterile, like business suits and martinis kind of thing. No, yeah. no. And I think honestly, you know, I know like I'm a millennial and there's all kinds of ideas with that, but it's like, I think that we are moving into a season. There's a shift happening where like, I really don't think that's going to work in the future those types of corporate, cold, disconnected business models, they're just not going to cut it, you know? And, and you even see that in the larger corporate world, like the huge, massive businesses moving towards like a, we need to connect with the heart of people. Like, but, but really like they're responding to a shift that they see happening too. Yeah. Yeah. It, my, my one worry with that is, you know, uh, very much, uh, I, I'm a millennial too, very much of like the, the hoodie startup founder, businessman kind of guy. Yeah. But then, you know, as time goes on and, you know, these people who were like the hip, cool kid, like Mark Zuckerberg, you see him, you know, getting buttoned up and he's becoming, you know, that corporate figure uh, you look down on in your youth, uh, or you probably look down on his youth, but he's sort of transformed into that. And obviously that's a whole different level of success. Sure. But, but, uh, you know, it's something I I think we as millennials need to be aware of that, you know, that, that flip can happen at any time from the authentic, you know, sort of connection you're talking about to the, the cold hearted businessman. And I, it probably has a lot to do with, you know, level of success too. Once, you know, seven, eight figures get, start getting thrown around. I'm sure that probably takes a lot of the heart out of it. You know, money doesn't have to remove the heart of it. Obviously I'm not there and don't get me wrong. I'm not at all saying that I don't ever want to make that kind of money because <laughs> let's be honest. Like You're like, no, I want to be the next Mrs. Fields. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, but you know, just realizing that I think too, like we can be kind of judgmental or harsh when it comes to that. Like, you know, like I've never been in the shoes of somebody like Mark Zuckerberg or mm-hmm. somebody like I've never been in that position. Right. Like, and I don't know what I would do if I had, all of those eyes on me or all of that pressure or all of that, whatever, like, and it's like, 
I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to make those decisions. So it's mm-hmm. easy for me to sit in the seat of judgment yeah. um, and be like, ugh, you know? Like, <laughs> Zuckerberg. Yeah, like they sold out or like there's no heart or like, but it's like, no, like I've never had to do that. And so <laughs> I try and I think protect my heart from that too, where it's just like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to resent the people who have like done something incredible just because, you know, I maybe would have seen it play out differently mm-hmm. because the reality is I didn't do it. <laughs> like <Yeah>. they did. <laughs> so, well, well uh, let's, let's uh, drift over a little bit to what you have done. And uh, obviously that's making cookies. Uh, so, so why don't you tell me about some of, some of your favorite projects you've got to work on? Uh, okay. So the game of Theron's cookies were my favorite kind of product, like, end result they were my favorite mm-hmm. um they are a really good example of shoveling the shit though because <laughs> it was so difficult what kind of cookies are these um, no, cause I'm just it, yeah because <laughs> it was so difficult so i did it at my best friend um of like 15 years we've been friends for a really long time he is obsessed with game of thrones books tv show he's the guy that watches the youtube fan theory like <laughs> videos so we threw him a we tried to throw him a surprise party it ended up not being a surprise but um <laughs> that so often happens i know i know so i made these game of thrones themed cookies and they were my favorite and i have not watched the show i have read two of the books mm-hmm. um so i was kind of like at a disadvantage i think with some of the imagery so i basically was just google image searching a lot of <laughs> like game of thrones flags and things like that you're lucky you didn't end up with like some crazy random meme that somebody <laughs> made or something. Oh, I did. I had to sort through the memes. Oh, okay. For gotcha. sure. I had to sort through them. And I, a couple of times, like, would message a friend and be like, is this the sigil for this house? Like, am I doing this right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, I was just kind of out of my element. But um, but in the end, the end result, they are my total, they are my absolute favorite cookies. I loved the way they turned out. But they were super, super hard and difficult. I'm, because I'm really pretty new to this. Like I said, I've only been doing this for about a year. I don't have some of the tools that other cookiers have. <laughs> Is that the official term cookier? Yeah. Yeah. Cookier. <laughs> it, it makes total sense, but I, I never thought about it before. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Some people, you can also say cookie artist. Um, that's a big, that's a term too. But that makes me think of sandwich artists. <laughs> And then that makes me think of really bad macaroon cookies from Subway. Yeah, no, okay. We'll stick with cookie ear then. <laughs> um, so some cookie ears use projectors where you can project onto the cookie, mm-hmm. the image that you're trying to like make with frosting. And then other, there's, an, there's an airbrush technique and I don't have an airbrush yet. Um, so there's a lot of different like tools that I don't really have quite yet. So doing all of those cookies, the Game of Thrones cookies by hand was so nerve wracking and stressful, <laughs> but in the end it was obviously so rewarding and they're my favorite and I love that. Was it, was it a situation where you just took a lot of time on each individual cookie or you would do a batch? You're like, no, that's crap. Let's throw them in the freezer for me to eat later. And then I'll try again. <laughs> uh, so it, it was a mixture of both. I did make a whole bunch. I made a big batch and I had a whole bunch of extra kind of like, you know, I did like the white background on all the cookies and then just kind of started on them. And I took a lot of time on each cookie. I mean, I think each cookie probably took me at least 20 to 30 minutes. (laughs) I mean, like just a lot of time on each cookie. 
20 or 30 minutes to make one minute to eat. I know. I was just going to say, I think some people would be like, what a waste. Cause I'm just going to eat it. Like, you know, <laughs> but it's worth it to me. Um, and I did mess up on a couple. So it was like having the extra cookies was kind of a backup where it was like, okay, I, I don't like the way that one turned out. So then I would try again or like try the design again. Um, so, and honestly, even my goal was 12 and I think I ended up with 10 or 11. Like I didn't even have a full dozen, which is, you know, at, you know, like at first I was like, I failed, but then I was like, forget it. I'm not like, I'm not doing that to myself. <laughs> These are so good. I spent so long. Um, so anyway, they, um, they turned out really great. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. So, so I'm assuming if somebody downloaded this podcast and is listening to this podcast right now, they're interested in cookies. So do you have any cooking cookier tips for, <laughs> for the people listening? Uh, cookier tips. You know, it's funny. Cause I, when I first started, I reached out to a couple of bakers who like, you know, one of them I did know in person because I had actually purchased from her before. And then mm -hmm. another one I did not know, but I loved her work. Like I loved her. I was like following her on Instagram and just kind of obsessing over all of her cookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I reached out to a couple of them and they were so helpful and so kind and so sweet. Um, so the first advice that I would give is like, get into the cookie or community. Like there is a cookie or community. <laughs> I didn't know it and it sounds silly, but it's there. That's part of the dark web, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, it is there and they are so, you know, like it's so helpful and it's so encouraging because there were moments where I'm like, this didn't work out or, you know, or, or a product that I hated. I had this like gold dust that you use on some cookies and I hated it and it wasn't working. And I just reached out to, to this, you know, this person and, I was like, Hey, what do you use? Cause I love the gold on your cookies. Yeah. And people are so, you know, like it's, it's not a competition. It's not like, you know, it's a cooperation. Yes. It's nobody has been like, I'm not going to give you my, my gold, you know, brand that I use. Cause you're going to use it on your cookies. Like nobody's uh -huh. like that. Um, even in the community here, like I haven't experienced that locally, like where people are technically competition, right. Where it's like, mm -hmm they can choose to come to me or they can choose to go to this other person even here in the, in locally, it's been very encouraging. So I would just say my biggest tip is like get with people who are doing what you're doing because mm -hmm. it's important for you not to feel alone and to have, you know, people to lean on and go to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, creative collaboration in any form is so important to creation yeah. because if, if you, if you sit in a room by yourself and you create stuff for hours and hours and hours on end without talking to anybody, without networking or communicating with other people doing the same thing you're doing, you're eventually going to reach a point. You're going to plateau mm -hmm. and, and you're not going to be able to, to move forward in your art or your uh, creative business. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's super important. The other thing that I would say I think is really important is if you hate a cookie, <laughs> like if you hate the way it looks. First of all, how dare you? Because it's a cookie. <laughs> Second know, of all, go ahead. But it's true because sometimes I have like hate it. Like I finish something and I'm like, oh, that's hideous. But here's my tip. Step away from it for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is true with everything because I actually used to do it with photography too. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when you're staring at something for so long and you're working so hard on it, and you've like been sitting or doing this thing or painting or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But in this case, it's my case, it's cookies. If you hate a cookie, 
step away from it for at least an hour or two. Like give yourself a couple hours away from it, take a break and then come back to it. I promise like 100% of the time I do not hate it as much. (laughs) And a lot of the times I'm usually like, Oh my gosh, I actually love it now, which is so weird. Cause it's like, I literally, it'll be like just a total pendulum swing. I will go like, I hate this cookie. I'll, I'll leave it, you know, leave it alone. I'll wake up the next morning and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. What was I thinking yesterday? You know, like. Well, I I think for for me because I experienced this too with stuff that I made. Yeah, it, it's good to have that critical eye. Uh, you know, when you're working on something, but eventually you reach a point to where all you can see is the negatives, That's, yeah. and you're you're not appreciating the things that you've improved through the process. You know. Yeah, that's such a good way to put it. I think that's exactly what happens, but you know, it happens to cookie ears too. So. Step away from the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Just step away from the cookie. My mom has to tell me that regularly where I'm like, <laughs> I hate it. Da, da, and she'll just be like, step away from the cookie. Like put it all down. Step away from the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, you, you mentioned the airbrushing thing. Are there any other, um, you know, advanced techniques that you're anxious to try or you're, look, you're looking forward to getting into? Um, yes. So the projector is a huge one. I think projector is I'm the projector is one I'm going to buy even before an airbrush. Is, is think, it a special cookie projector or is it just a small projector that you use on cookies? So they have both. Okay. There are cookiers who just use a small projector, like a really tiny, you know, handheld or like, you know, they have ones that attach to your phone. Like they have all different kinds. Yeah. But then there are actually specially cookie made ones where like they have like a stand and you can fit your cookie right in there. And it's like, And and I'm sure I, I'm picturing an accurate version of it in my head, but it just, it's hilarious to me. (laughs) (laughs) I just picture like this big device where you just place the cookie. (laughs) Yeah, basically. So anyway, that, uh, that I think is a really big thing for me where it's like, I am excited to be able to have the image that I want. Cause that's the hard part, right? Is like, I have an image and I'm like, this is what I want. I want to do this image. And like, but it's hard to get it like on the cookie. Uh, by hand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so the projector, I think will help with that huge. And then the other thing is there's, um, stencils is one that I haven't done yet. And I'd like to try, Mm -hmm. um, they have like, you basically like, you know, there's a stencil and then with frosting, you sort of like stencil kind of like lay, you know, just lay the frosting on there and scrape the excess off. And it like Uh lays perfectly on the cookie. And, um, I haven't tried it yet, uh, but I would, and it's kind of on my, it's on my 2020 goal list is to just get into that area. How do you do the stencils? Is it just like basically you make a graphic on the computer, print it out, and then cut it out with an X-Acto knife or something? So actually there are whole businesses who sell cookie stencils. Oh wow. <laughs> like they sell those. <laughs> so like, I mean, you totally could. I could make my own stencil and, and that's exactly how I would do it. It's just like X-Acto knife it out. But you can go on Etsy or on Instagram and there are, you know, people who are making hundreds of stencils and you just go and buy them and you can tell them what size you want. And, you know, on Etsy, if you have a logo, you can send, there's custom ones. They'll, they'll take your logo and cut it out for you. So mm-hmm. that is a whole business of its own. And <laughs> that's probably what I would do because I don't feel like taking the time to make my own. <laughs> well, it's, you know, focus, focus on the work you like to do and uh, exactly. leave shoveling the shit to somebody on Etsy, right? Exactly. And, and they've created a whole business out of it. So more power to them. I will fund their business by purchasing stencils. <laughs> you know, I was a little worried that based on the episodes we've already had this week, that people might not be able to find a lot of the same kinds of information from somebody who does cookies. But 
everything you've said is really applicable to anybody in any creative profession. Cool. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I was thinking about it this morning and I thought like the reality is, is that like, I realize the people who are interested in cookies is a very small <laughs> probably percentage of people. Like I know, you know, like people aren't out here like, Oh, I, I want to find like how to make, like, it's just not a huge thing. But yeah. I realize that like the creative process itself is. And mm-hmm. I think we're all like, I know that like we get <sighs> the creative process in general, I think is like, everybody is creating something. Mm-hmm. We're all designed to create something. And I, you know, I think we're all wired to create. And so we get really stuck sometimes on like what creation looks like in our world. But I think it's really important to have also a, an idea of there are people creating things all the time that maybe I'm not seeing as a creation, but it, but it is, it's happening. Like Mm -hmm. I'm creating cookies, but I think about it and I like, I have friends who are creating websites and like, I'm not, I'm a millennial. I'm not a computer person. I I haven't done coding since I like left my space, you know, (laughs) I'm not knowledgeable in that, in that area, but like they're creating websites or they're creating these fully functional apps Mm-hmm. that like just it blows my mind and I would have no idea how to do that but like there is a creative process there that's happening for them yeah and yeah. I think it's important to just be aware of that and like honor what's happening in other people's process because you know like you said there were times where it's like you're saying something and I'm feeling the same thing with cookies or I'm saying something and you're going I'm going through that in my business right now mm-hmm. so we're not as different as we feel yeah, um, yeah yeah and I can't tell you how many times I've found a really good piece of inspiration for a podcast or a book I'm writing or a video I'm making from, I don't know, an interview with the lead singer of Spin Doctors, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just like something completely random you would never think would relate. And it sort of synergizes and you're like, oh, wait a second. That's a great connection. Yeah, that's so true. That's so I was raised in a Christian home Mm -hmm. and there's this really beautiful idea in Christianity and that people are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the wording that's used in the Bible. And it's like every person, like every single person on earth is made in the image of God. And so there's this reflection of God in them, right? In each individual person. Mm-hmm. And I have kind of latched onto that idea and that concept because to me, I think it really helps me find inspiration in places where I would not normally or um, or maybe where we, we wouldn't normally be looking uh-huh. <clears throat> because I think for me, it's like, okay, if every single person has something, um, a piece of God or a piece of, of, you know, whatever, whatever, whoever <laughs> your idea of a being is or whatever, it's like, if every single person has uh, a piece of this creator that I am unfamiliar with, or that I've never encountered, mm-hmm. um, then I get to learn something new about creation in general or creating each time I encounter somebody. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, I, I try and just really stay aware of that, of like, there is some, there's something in each person. There's something in each individual. They have something that I can learn that I can gain from that I can find inspiration in because there's a reflection of God in them that I've never seen. Um, and it just, I don't know. It just keeps me open. Yeah, and and maybe you know, seeing enough of those reflections, maybe that'll help help you get a better unified vision. Yeah. Of of God. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it also like it also helps me remember, like I was saying, that like we're all cr- designed to create. Because I think it's like it's really easy to look at like 
the rocket science engineer or the accountant who is just typing numbers into a computer all day and be like, they're not creating any, like they're not creative. They're not a creative person. Like, and I, and I have people in my life who say that my mom actually says a lot. I'm not a creative person. And I always like, stop saying that because <laughs> I think we all are. It's just in different ways. And so it helps me go like, there's actually, there is a reflection in you of a creator. You're designed to create something. Mm-hmm. And, and just because you don't, just because it doesn't look like a cookie or it doesn't look like a, you know, a painting or it doesn't look like a comic book, like, it doesn't matter. It might look like spreadsheets, right? Like, yeah, and I feel yeah. like it might look like something It might look like a, a, a shuttle or whatever it is, but it's like, it's creating. That's something Subway should have a spreadsheet artist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a spreadsheet. That's something I need. <laughs> no, no, but I, I, I absolutely love that. And yeah, uh, people's creativity, it doesn't have to be, you know, a work of art. It could be somebody who, rearranges their living room every two weeks, but it's always a great, awesome, unique, beautiful rearrangement of the furniture and the wall paintings and everything like that. And that's where they're comfortable in creating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think people should be unafraid to showcase that. Like I wish I actually, it's funny you use that example. I have a friend, her name's Ashley and on Instagram, she, she's like this incredible hospitable designer. She has such a creative eye. But um, she will do that. She'll like rearrange her living room or her home every couple months and she'll post it on Instagram and she'll kind of go like, you know, and at the beginning she'll say like, if you're not interested, feel free to skip through this. (laughs) But then she's got these like, you know, tons of stories where she'll describe why she's doing this or why she's moving this here or why she's whatever. And I, if I'm honest, I don't always watch them, but it's like when I do watch them, I'm actually always like, oh my gosh, like she has such a passion for like making her home this beautiful space. Uh And I love that. Um, So I just wish people would showcase what they're creating. Like, even though it feels small to you, even if it feels, even if it feels insignificant to you, because the reality is, is like, if you just get a little bit of bravery, a little bit of courage to showcase it. And even if that's on your Instagram stories or Mm -hmm. a Facebook post or whatever, or texting your family, (laughs) like whatever it is, just showcase it a little bit because I think that sparks or ignites in other individuals something. Oh, absolutely. And when I was thinking about this interview too, that's kind of where I was like, you know, even if you're not interested in cookies, like if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, I do I've never baked in my life and I don't care about baking, that's totally fine. But I still, you know, I still believe that we have something to gain from one another just in the creative process. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Why don't you tell people where they can find your cookies, pictures of, and if they're in Tennessee or soon to be Florida, uh, you know, can actually maybe purchase some of your cookies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's been great talking to you. I am on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest as Hey Sweetness Bakery. Um, And there's like a little logo with a rolling pin. um, Really simple. And you can find me on all of those social media platforms, or you can email me at heysweetnessbakery at gmail.com. I'm really open. I love meeting new people. And even if you don't want to buy cookies, if you just want to like talk, talk about or, cookies for 40 minutes or yeah, so. Yeah. Perfect. I would totally love that. <laughs> <laughs> if you just want to tell me how great they are. <laughs> well, I think you'd have to send me some for me to know how great they are. That's not, <laughs> that's not a request. That's a very strong hint. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hint received. <laughs> Well, thanks very much. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to the show. If you have your own big idea you've made a reality, we want to hear about it. Let us know by emailing this at doanything.media. We'd love to share your project or maybe even talk to you about it. You can follow the show at I Made This Show, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Again, that's at I Made This Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or on our website, imadethis.doanything.media. Again, that's imadethis.doanything.media. And if you do subscribe, make sure you leave a review so we can shout you out on the show. I'm Bill Meeks. Thanks for listening.